0: Hello and welcome to The Specialist. I'm your host, Rob Barnard, and in this episode, I'll be talking with none other than Executive Director of the Intermediary Mortgage Lenders Association, Kate Davies. I'll be talking with Kate about the current and future size and shape of the UK mortgage market, just what's on her desk at the moment, and what lenders, and therefore brokers, need to anticipate coming over the hill next. Kate studied German at Durham University and started her career in local government, following which she moved to the Building Societies Association and the Council of Mortgage Lenders, where she worked on a wide range of policy matters at both UK and European level. When the BSA and the CML split in 1996, she stayed on with the CML as senior policy advisor and became the CML specialist on mortgage regulation. Since leaving the CML at the end of 2008, Kate has worked freelance for a number of trade associations and actually served for six years as a non-exec director at the Darlington Building Society. And she succeeded Peter Williams as Imler's executive director back in January 2018. Kate, it's absolutely super to have you on air with me live today. Thank you very much, Rob. So come on, what was the original plan? How did a German language graduate end up working in the UK mortgage and finance industry?
1: Great question. There was no <laughs> plan and I never intended to be a German language graduate. <laughs> I went up to Durham to read music uh, and when I got there I threw a bit of a wobbly and I thought what am I going to do with the music degree um, so I tried to change to an English course that was full they wouldn't let me and the only a level left was German so much to my surprise two weeks into the to the term I found
0: myself doing a German degree and it was the best decision I could have made that's brilliant so so it literally was when people say that I, I normally get the oh well I fell into it it literally was it was a, it was a it, yeah, yeah, I didn't didn't really plan anything. So now where we are, Executive Director of IMLA. I mean, such a grand title, I think, <laughs> Executive Director. Firstly, for those listening who don't maybe know quite so much, could you tell me actually what IMLA is and what does your role entail on a day-to-day basis?
1: I, I love this one because Executive Director does sound good, doesn't it? Um, I, and I think some people maybe think that IMLA has a huge staff. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> And it's part time, it's a few days a month. It's several hours a day, usually, and I, I, I sort of slot things in when I can. Um, well, can I stop you there?
0: Because I think you're doing a superb <laughs> job, because it certainly doesn't appear that it's just you.
1: I skate on very thin ice and I make it all up as I go along, as I say. But so far, I've I, made
0: a career out I, of that. I don't. get
1: away with it, yeah. Um, Imla started out actually a long time ago in 1988 as the Association of Mortgage Lenders and it was pulled together to be the club for lenders who were not banks, so they couldn't be members of the British Bankers Association, and they weren't building societies, so they couldn't join the BSA. Um, they were new-style lenders, many of them with American parentage.
0: They're like central lenders. They, or would call them they centralized were called centralised because I? they
1: had no branch network, so they couldn't sell their mortgages through branches. They had to sell them via intermediaries. Um, so completely intermediated, different funding models because they weren't deposit takers. They had to raise their money on the money markets. Uh, a number of them sold the mortgages and securitized the books and, and, and went on and, and so on. And in the early days, they had maybe about a dozen members. I think they went up to about 18 at one point. And people like the Mortgage Corporation. So they were supported at the time by the BSA CML. The, the CML's Director General, PA, provided their secretariat services for them. And they met in, in Savile Row in the CML's offices. And on it went until... Um, really until CML and BBA merged to form UK Finance. Um, and at that point, um, we, we did not move to the UK Finance offices in Angel Court. We had to set up on our own. And that's exactly the time when I was taking over from, from Peter. So since then, there has been no office base. I work from home. Um, we use the Angel Court offices of, the UK, of UK Finance for our large meetings. And I now outsource some admin support and financial support to a, a third party. Um, Just to run back a bit, AML was the original trade association in 1988, and it was one of the five that actually set up the Council of Mortgage Lenders because it was felt at the time that that, um, there was a need for a single trade body that could speak for all the building societies and the banks who were increasingly coming into the the mortgage market with deregulation, the centralised lenders. We had some insurance companies who were in um, Eagle and General, Eagle Star, as they were in those days. And there there were a couple of insurance companies. There were a couple of French companies as well who were in the market. Those five trade associations came together to create the Council of Mortgage Lenders. So, IMLA has always been separate and independent. I think a lot of people used to think it was a subcommittee of the CML. I think some people still think it's a subcommittee of UK finance. It's not. It's proudly independent. Um, why do members join and become members of IMRA? It's because the members who attend IMRA meetings are typically the head of intermediary distribution, head of intermediary networks, that sort of job title. So... Um, so depending where they sit in the in the food chain in their individual firms, some of them are much more senior than others, some of them wear lots of different hats if they work in a, a smaller organisation, but they're at the coalface between the lender and its intermediaries who sell a vast majority of, of, of the products. So it gives those people those members of staff an opportunity to come together with their peer group to talk about life the price of fish and mortgages um, (laughs) and the things that are bothering them uh, to, to network in a really useful way they'll meet each other on other circuits as well but within Imla it's a it's a it's a specific sort of club if you like so Imla membership gives them that opportunity to network that's the first main thing um, what we don't do is give them a lot of policy guidance and advice and statistics and that sort of thing because that would be twin tracking with what uk finance and bsa already do they are much bigger they're much better resourced and there's no point trying to ape what they do or or, or, or duplicate it um so i'm catering for a very specific group of, of members um but having having given them their chance to talk amongst each other and and uh, discuss life the way they see it. That then enables me and a smaller group of my management committee um, to have regular meetings, what I call below the radar meetings, with the FCA, the PRA, Bank of England, Treasury, DLUC, Home Office, whoever it might be who's relevant at the time, to go along and, and give them the, our perspective of what's happening in the mortgage market. and. On the whole, we shouldn't be saying anything different from what BSA or UK Finance yeah. would be saying, but we can maybe say it in a slightly different way. Um, we, I don't have to have what we say cleared by um, a board or by a PR department. Um, we can, and that's not to say we're unguarded in what we say, but I th- I'd like to say we can be candid yeah. uh, and we can give some uh, very genuine. Uh, observations and opinions on what's happening in the market, and I, I know from the FCA colleagues who I've, I've known for years—I need to say FSA because I go back years <laughs> that, long. that long. um I know they—they—they they, they like that. They trust that. They like the fact that they're—they're they're hearing some really good, experienced stuff from the horse's mouth from people who've been in the industry for a very, very long time. And I think that's important. So we can get over members' views and concerns and our perceptions of what's really happening in the market. Um, Sometimes it's a little bit of a one-way discussion with uh, with uh, civil servants and and uh, uh, officials because they're not allowed to say too much back to us. But we know that the people who we're talking to are the people who then brief ministers, um, and it, it's important that we get those messages in to their briefings and their um, considerations. Brilliant. So that's that's the sort of below the radar bit that I think any good trade associate association should be doing. Um, and then for my role, it's it's keeping the wheels going, making sure the members are able to turn up to the meetings and have something to talk about. Um, we meet five times a year. Uh, we always used to meet face-to-face. COVID put an end to that. And since COVID, we've taken two of the meetings uh, of online um, and we have three face-to-face ones. And I try to mix and match the meetings a little bit so we have some external speakers coming in to tell members things that they wouldn't necessarily hear back at the ranch um, or... And some of them won't be sufficiently well plugged into the separate panels and working groups that BSA and UK Finance have so it just gives them another opportunity to, to hear from senior spokesmen, civil servants, whoever it might be um, they have their chance to to talk about what, what is of concern to them um, and a big part for me is, is trying to network, putting people in touch with each other and trying to make sure that some members can join the dots during lockdown um, when we just didn't know what was going to happen other than that everybody was suddenly working from home um, and we weren't really communicating a lot in the first couple of weeks I started sending out a very informal Friday afternoon update <laughs> I think the first one was more or less along there. "Is everyone okay um, and are you are you hooked up can Please we communicate <laughs> yes and, and it became really quite quite valuable I think it became it it was fairly chatty and informal but I use it now as a, a weekly form of communication with members, reminding them about things, reminding them to, to vote in the annual elections, um, telling them that the deadline's coming for some consultation or other. And I can only really communicate efficiently with the named members of each yes. of uh, my 50, now 54 members. That's quite enough for a distribution list for me um but then it's entirely up to them what they do with that communication if there's something they think is of interest for a colleague it's up to them to share it with that and colleague they do. and that's absolutely fine <laughs> and if they do that's great and i know some of them are really good and really energetic about it others um,
0: less good, um, or but that's entirely up to them. I mean, Paul, who who attends from from a Pepper perspective, he's very good, and he will send on things, and I think it's it's all, and he sends it quite wide within the organisation at Pepper, which is great because then people can get an idea for what's going on.
1: That's great to hear, and it's lovely to get the feedback because from sitting where I sit, I don't often get that feedback, so I don't know how much people know about what
0: we're sending out. But if they find it useful, that's terrific. And I think also another great part of what you do. Is you're out there speaking to people like me today which is brilliant but i've i've seen you speak many times around the country over the last number of years and one thing that always happens is the room is full people <laughs> want to hear from you which is great well that's fast <laughs> but it is it's, it's a true thing if you, if you look at any session the imla session is often one of the best attended so i think that's brilliant you're getting a great message out there um the email website that's something that i turn to regularly when i'm looking for statistics when i'm pulling presentations together preparing for for podcasts and things like that so i think it's it's a really important source of information that's readily available for people um, late last year your annual report on the prospects of the mortgage and housing market for the next sort of couple of years was sort of published what were the standard headlines that, that you'd like to talk about this is what we call the new normal
1: report and i think it's about the 11th in the series now
0: New normal. It's, I mean, that's that's so fit for purpose at the it's moment.
1: That, yeah, it's it's a sort of state of the nation report that our principal researcher Rob Thomas writes for us every year. Rob writes other reports as well during the year, but this is the this is a big annual one which includes his forecast. Um, Rob is a, a very respected economist who used to work for the Bank of England, um, and then was an analyst with UBS, and then was a colleague of mine at CML for several years. Um, so it's it's very much his um pulling together of all the data and my goodness he gets it from all over from UK finance from uh, Bank of England from ONS from um you know, very respected sources and crunches the numbers and gives his view on where he thinks we're going um and of course similar members have a chance to dis- discuss it um not all of them will necessarily always agree with him but um it, the report goes out in our in our name we do we do uh, put ourselves behind it because it's a very erudite and informed economist's view of where he thinks the market's going. And he'd be the first to say he doesn't always get it right, but he's got a very good track record of yeah. being pretty close. So some of the figures look quite quite gloomy this year. They're saying that gross lending is going to fall, um, that buy-to-let lending is going to fall, uh, and that it's going to be a challenging year. But I don't think that's anything that others aren't saying. It's just a question of degree, of, of how much things fall and, and how challenging it's going to be. Um, one of the standout things for me was that the, the slice of the cake, or the size of the cake, rather, is shrinking. The number of mortgages that, that will be sold is likely to be smaller, and the number, um, the number of property sales, um, which now are accounted for by cash, has been growing. Right. Um, so again, the, the, the number of mortgages available for lenders to fight over is likely to be fewer. So it's going to be a very, very competitive year for lenders, that should mean it's a good good year for borrowers because uh, rates should be coming coming down because there will be so much competition
0: and we're seeing that already aren't we in the early in the early part of 24
1: it's and and it was happening for the last quarter of 2023 virtually every day something was coming through on the news feeds that another tiny slice had been shaved off of uh, of uh, mortgage rates um, how far can they go <laughs> yeah. before lenders really think, find that they are they're cutting their throats? It, it, it's it's not a bottomless bottomless pit. No.
0: and and I think I think the cheap rate environment that we've experienced probably for the last I don't know ten years the bubble has burst, and I think this is where the new normal's sort of very very apt, isn't it? This is the new norm. Yeah. Just how far rates will come down and how quickly that's still the sort of golden nugget. And and in lots of ways it's right that it should have burst because I mean
1: you to. and I can remember the days of 15% mortgages. I'm sure. Um, and even when things calmed down a bit, when I was able to take out a mortgage, I mean, I, I can remember the, the the first rate I took up was 6.24% and I thought I'd done very well for myself. Absolutely. Actually, I actually had to choose between 6.24 fixed or 5.99 variable. <laughs> and I, I bet on the fact that the variable will go up and I got it wrong
0: <laughs> I, I, but, but not by a lot i still have my old um, building society mortgage repayment tables on my desk at home yeah. and i used to scribble the myrus at the top of oh, it gosh, and the, I remember the, the highest highest sort of figure we got to was 15.4 yeah. uh myrus i remember now was 96 pounds 25 <laughs> on that and i was selling fixed rates like they were going out of fashion at 13 and percent ouch Um, and then 12 months, 18 months later, people were coming back saying, how do we get out of this 13.5% fixed rate? But it it just shows we go through cycles.
1: We do, and and to have rates so low for so long, I think probably had an inflationary impact on house prices. Oh, undoubtedly. Because because people could afford more, they were affording more, and they were borrowing more. To have got to a situation where we're so out of kilter now between house prices and earnings um, isn't helpful, and we're seeing that with the way a lot of first-time buyers are struggling.
0: Yeah. So so from the report, whilst the overall market, as you say, looks to be a little bit down again next year in comparison to recent ones, uh, one thing that I think is very positive from a broker perspective is that the total intermediary share of the market, um, where are we currently at and, and what are we forecasting that might look like through the rest of this year?
1: We think that we ended the year around about 89% yep. intermediated and we're looking at that growing throughout 2024 and I think Rob is saying we should be over 90% next year, certainly into 2025. Um, and looking back to when I started, I think it was more like 50-50.
0: I was going to say exactly the same figures. That was days... I think it even dipped the other way, 45-55 at, well, at, think... at the peak.
1: I think it will have done because um, when I started, that was pre-mortgage code days. Yep. When we bought in the mortgage code, we had three levels of service. Uh, advice, non-advice, and then execution only. Um, and then the, when the mortgage regulation came in, we had advice, advice, um, or non-advised execution only went out of the window but it was advised or non-advised and a number of lenders at that stage decided to do away with advised sales uh, in their branches so they would only sell non-advised but so if someone wanted advice, they had to go to an intermediary so that will have have, have tipped the balance at that point and then when the mortgage market review came in and brought back advised sales um a lot of the lenders had Dispensed with their advice teams and couldn't really build them up again from scratch and they weren't getting the footfall through the branches anyway so they needed to look even more yeah. to the intermediaries to sell their products. So to me it makes perfect sense that, that the intermediaries are there. Um,
0: and as a media intermediary man through and through I'm delighted <laughs> with that and long may it continue but but you're right when I was in the society years ago on a Saturday morning I could do a full sign up at 9 o'clock another one at 10 and another one at 11 and that would be with life cover buildings and contents and accident sickness unemployment cover you could do the whole done. lot with, within an hour done back to back Oof. and you can't probably even do one full sale in that, pro, in that, in that sort of morning now and right. it just shows and I'm not saying the advice was wrong it wasn't I'd never sold anything that you wouldn't buy yourself but it shows how much more care, attention, detail has to go into the sale process, which is quite right.
1: And if you were in a building society in those days, you probably wouldn't have been lending to self-employed people. Uh, you'd have find it difficult to lend to people who had several sources of income for one reason or another. Um, I mean, that sounds like a
0: perfect lead into a specialist lender.
1: Well, exactly, exactly. And that, that's where a lot of the original Imla members started. A lot of them started in what we then called the subprime market, um, and because they were doing it so effectively and and making. A decent return on it. I think a lot of the mainstream lenders decided that they would decide they would get into that market too. So we, the uh, the lines blurred increasingly from sort of heavy prime to sub um, light prime or near prime or whatever. And um, as a result, of course, the the rates also came much closer together. But lenders now will look at much more complicated circumstances,
0: and they need to because people's lives are more complicated. And, and I, think, yeah, I think you're exactly right there. I mean, specialist lending, which which I'm passionate about, people still think of it wrongly as just adverse credit. It's not. It's so much more than that. It's so many many reasons. Complicated income structures, self-employed, are a massive part of what we what we do. And our our recent study suggested that 80% of people that are self-employed think it's harder to get a mortgage just because they're self-employed mm. and that's what specialist lenders can help with
1: we did some research on this um oh gosh it must be a couple of years ago now um, we called it the underserved market yeah. i should be careful not to say the undeserved market it's <laughs> under the underserved market looking it's a phrase at, i use looking at people's un- perceptions on whether they would be able to get a mortgage and then looking at how many lenders do actually Uh, serve that market and and it's 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 substantial but the average person in the street doesn't know that and if they only look for mortgages online themselves and are inclined to look for the big names that they recognize they won't have heard of most of of the of the specialist lenders they won't know that they're out there so they'll need to go to an intermediary to help them find that and i'm so glad you mentioned the imla website because it's a relatively simple website um, I like to keep it simple so it does what it says on the tin um, but we we put all our previous reports and research there as I say we don't publish data we don't collect data so we don't publish it but the reports that Rob writes for us are data rich yep. um, and so the the annual series he's done of the new normal reports and then the um, other s- subject specialist reports whether it's underserved borrowers or later life lending or a recent very big one on the private rented sector um, they're, they're all b- backed up by by uh facts and figures and, and data and Rob also uh, writes a quarterly market briefing for us um, and that finds its way onto the website that's as great. well so it's it's all there for someone who wants to look for it and he writes in wonderfully clear language
0: which as a non-economist I can understand so he does. and as I say I do refer to it loads which is great mm-hmm. I mean th- this industry of ours is a, is a wonderful place to work and it's great to see him and indeed Amy the Association of Mortgage Intermediaries who you refer to uh, driving forward the Working in Mortgages Initiative mm-hmm. I think that's been really good for those that haven't maybe heard about it what's it all about and how how can anyone interested find out more? I'm, I'm personally really pleased that we work so closely with, with Amy now. I mean, Rob
1: Sinclair's been a, a colleague and friend for for many, many years. When I first joined the industry, there was always... Well, there wasn't an Amy. There wasn't a trade association for the brokers. Um, but there was a little bit of a feeling of us and them between lenders and brokers. And I think we've managed to bridge that divide totally. a lot um, and uh, put it on a much more professional level. Um, the, the Working in Mortgages website really... Um, has its origins in the amy insights report that came out in october i'm going to get the date wrong i think it was 2020 might i think it was 2020 which was the result of a survey of uh, intermediaries in the market and how they felt about working in the market and it made for some quite uncomfortable reading there were a number of people who were clearly uncomfortable Um, Where they were, they felt they were being discriminated against, whether that was because of their their colour, their gender, their sexual orientation, their their beliefs, their this, their that, um, misogyny, um, all sorts of things coming into the mix, which made it quite uncomfortable to read. Um, And Amy published it, um, and they decided that they needed to do something about it. Um, And they set up their uh, diversity and inclusivity group, and we did the same within IMLA. And... Amy is a, a larger organisation than Imla, it has more staff, it, it's better resourced. Um, I Again, I didn't want to go into competition with them in what we were doing. Uh, it made perfect sense for us to work together and to to share best practice, knowledge of what goes right, what's what's going wrong, what we can do to make things better. And that's what really gave birth to the Working Mortgages um, website. Um, I didn't feel we should bury things on the Imla website um, and, and sort of claim it as our homework. It made much more sense to, to share that and have a an outward-facing, public-facing, um, working in mortgages website, which which is has both our names and logos on it. And the idea is that it's going to increase and grow and be a, a really valuable resource for people who are already in the industry. All those who are thinking about coming in. So if you are looking for a career in mortgages, you can find out more about the sorts of jobs you can do and where you can work. If you're already in the industry and you want to reach out to other people, take part in a mentoring scheme which has been set up, you'll find the way in through through the website. Um, and also just good advice on how to deal with things like when things have gone wrong um, who to turn to where you can get better advice and signpost it's it's only about a year old it's got a lot of work to do I've come from a meeting this morning about how we can um, set the agenda for the coming year and there's a lot of ambition and a lot of uh, um, enthusiasm in the room
0: to really keep it moving and, and again I, I stand up and speak in front of rooms full of people all, all year and, and I, I think we've seen a subtle change in the audiences over the last 12 to 18 months we've seen more ladies which is fantastic but we've seen younger people Mm-hmm. At last, we're seeing some younger people coming in. I think it's a fantastic industry we work in. We've made a great career out of it, and I hope more people coming into the market do exactly the same.
1: Yeah, that's great. I, I have got to the stage now when I walk into a room and I think mm-hmm, I'm definitely the oldest person in this well. room. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so so be it. But it means that there's a there's a great energy and uh, uh, engagement coming in,
0: and it's good, which is great. Yeah. Long may it continue. So, what else is keeping Kate Davis and I said on the team at Imla, but it's probably <laughs> you. So I've had to rewrite my notes now. So, what else is keeping? You you busy Kate, Kate,
1: Kate and Kate, yeah. Uh, what's keeping me busy? Um well I've got my executive committee meeting coming up next week. I've got a meeting with the FCA later this week. Um I try to um keep a certain number of articles and blogs and things going in the trade press, partly to keep IMRA's uh name visible, um, but also to to express some opinions. Um what else keeps me busy we're we're going to be looking at more events i think traditionally we haven't run events in the past because we haven't really had the resource to do it but we decided a couple of years ago that we'd like to do something to give something back to the intermediary uh, intermediary sorry what's the word i want sector yes (laughs) intermediary (laughs) sector we wanted to give something back to the intermediary sector and we decided to run an event Uh, for we call them established intermediaries so people who are experienced been in the in the industry for quite a while and just to give them a half day say of really high class presentations from people who really know what they're talking about so we had a a a very um, experienced economist giving her view on what's happening within the housing market we we had rob sinclair talking about uh, the uh, regulatory challenges for for intermediaries um we, we we covered a, a range of subjects and it was really popular uh so we ran two of those um one in 2022 and one in 2023 and we thought we'd like to do another one but let's make the next one for new joiners yeah for the youngsters coming on board as you've said these young enthusiastic bright-eyed bushy-tailed people who are coming into our oh, industry to be young again and we didn't want to make it just intermediaries this time we thought let's mix in people who are new to the lending industry as well. So we bridge that divide because if you've just joined a lender or you've just joined a, a network or a small brokerage firm, you're going to be getting your training from them and you'll be hearing their worldview and how we do it in Blogs Building Society or Binkley's Bank or something. <laughs> uh, let, let's get them in a room with real life people from other lenders and from the brokers and get them to mix up and share their views over coffee and lunch and tea and whatever. But also have a, a really good program of of um, speakers who know what they're talking about, and let's have it quite wide ranging, and just give them a, a different sort of experience. So we ran that at the end of November, and um, it went down a storm. I have to say, it was really well received. So we're very encouraged by that, and we will undoubtedly do another that's one in the good. coming year. Now we we don't have the resource um, to do lots of these, um, so they'll they, they'll be relatively few and far between. But if
0: they're if they're hitting the target and uh, giving people what they want, then that's great. Yeah, and don't, and don't just think of of sort of people entering the market that have to be advisors or they have to work for lenders I think the administrator role is fantastic and it's it's a great career to have within our industry and we're, we're delighted to support a couple of awards um, ceremonies where we, we sponsor the, the administrator category just for that mm-hmm. and you talk to people that are in administration roles now and we're hoping to have a guest coming on soon to talk about admin because I think it's a big part of it and some people want to make a career out of administration rather than moving into broking and long they may that mm-hmm. continue as well which I think is really good. And just back with a, with a final plug, how can anyone wanting to find out more about IMLA do so and the resources that are available to them?
1: Well, the website is absolutely public, the whole thing. Everything that's on it, no passwords needed, just imla.org.uk. And you'll find everything there. Um, the publications tab will has all the publications going back. Um, and they're just listed chronologically, so you can find them there. You can also find the names of all the members and all our associate members. We have 12 associate members at the moment. Um, And that's about it. We we try to keep it very simple and and, and very very clean and hopefully very easy to use. Um,
0: And is there a link from the IMLA website to the Working in Mortgages Initiatives website?
1: There is, but there's also a link at the bottom of my email. And I was just saying to someone this morning, I I put that link in um, about a year ago when the website was launched. It's kind of become wallpaper because I sometimes say to people, "Have you noticed the Working You Mortgages website on my on my email uh, signature?" I say, "No," because <laughs> it's been there for such a long time, um, and I suppose we just sort of blank it out. You see that it's an Imla from from Kate. They don't
0: see read below.
1: See, see read below. Yeah, but it is there. Um, so, if you haven't looked at the Working Mortgage website,
0: please do. And if you haven't looked at it for a while, please do, because it's probably had lots of stuff added to it since. I'd encourage you to do so. Kate, thanks so much for finding the time to talk with me today. I found it so enlightening <laughs> in respect of the vital role that Imla and indeed all our industry trade bodies play in the sector. Whilst the total volume of mortgage lending may be down again this year, it's certainly not all doom and gloom for the broker sector, with the importance of quality advice playing a more important role today than it has ever done. And it's great to see that this is being recognized by customers, moving the intermediary share through this year to in excess of 90% of the overall market. From a career perspective, like many of us, the mortgage industry is all we've ever known and we appreciate what a wonderful industry it is to be involved in. With this in mind, it's great to see less spearheading the Working in Mortgages initiative, helping new entrants to the sector make a fulfilling career out of it, but also helping seasoned professionals develop themselves even further and be assured, I'll be looking at the website later today. Thanks for joining me, Kate.
1: Pleasure, thank you.
0: And of course, a big thank you also goes out to you, our listeners. If you love the content today, then do let us know on our social using our hashtag, hashtag and of course, hit follow to get notified when our next episode releases.